0: Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. When's the last time you were angry about something? Maybe this morning? Uh, Last night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, All of us can relate to to anger. Uh, This uh, last week, uh, uh, something was done to a a member of my family and uh, I felt like it was unfair and uh, I was angry this last week. It's interesting because the topic of today's sermon has been planned for weeks and uh, when this happened to a member of my family, it was a good reminder that I need to really focus on understanding what anger is all about and how to manage it and uh, so uh, this is uh, a sermon this morning is as much for me as it is for anyone sitting in here this morning um i feel like uh our world is probably uh more frustrated and angry than in any other time at least in my lifetime uh that's probably not true we've probably been just as angry throughout millennia if you look at all the (laughs) all the wars and you know way before i was ever born but uh the world has been dealing with anger for a long time. Uh, this is this is human nature. Uh, we're seeing, though, uh, you know, especially since uh, COVID days, just a lot of frustration uh, with people. I'm not sure it's related to COVID. It could be. Could just be people felt like they had permission now to be angry and express that. I don't know. Seeing a lot of mass shootings. You've probably seen that on the news. Different things like that uh, from some kind of rage, uh, violence, and. Here in Namibia, violence in South Africa, um, and we're seeing more and more so uh, people being able, for the first time in history, to publi- to publish, you know, their anger to show this online. Uh, you know, when I was a, when I was young, uh, people did not have this this media uh, opportunity to express how they feel to the world. So, when's the last time uh, you expressed something that you weren't happy about on Facebook uh, or? Instagram or whatever social media platform you choose to express yourself in When was the last time you expressed yourself and had a conversation with complete strangers? but uh, in complete anger Anger happens right anger happens. Uh, It's it's a spontaneous uh, Emotion that just sparks. It's not something that we plan. No one ever decides to get angry, right? (laughs) I, I, I I I've never heard anyone say, okay, I'm gonna get angry about that. That's something I should be angry about. We don't see an outrageous act of heartless cruelty and injustice and then ponder whether anger uh, would be a good response. And then after consideration, choose to start feeling angry about it. Nobody lives like that. Anger happens. It's spontaneous. It's not a rational choice very often. uh, It's an unpremeditated experience. When I was in res in university, uh, stayed in this really, really, uh, uh, um, now, let's not insult the building. The building actually, the, the building has been demolished, but it was, it was quite a sketchy res anyway. And uh, we, uh, we shared this long hall, and, and they had m- huge metal trash cans positioned all down the hall uh, where we could, you know, encouraged by the, 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 the res head to, to, to empty our trash out in those instead of in the hallways, you know, of the res. One night, uh, we heard this clatter in in the hallway, and it was so, so loud. Uh, We knew it was one of the metal trash cans. We didn't know what was going on, and we opened the the door of our room and went down the hall, and one of our friends was beating up a, a metal trash can. I mean, he was just tearing it apart. By the time we got there, the metal trash can was almost half its size, and so we went up to him and asked, you know, what did that trash can do to you? I mean, what? how did this trash can offend you? Uh, he didn't appreciate the question at all. Um, this friend of mine uh, continued to to release his rage in this kind of manifestation, and uh, he never, ever was able to control his anger. He eventually ended up killing a man, uh, ended up in prison. He is, he is no longer with us. He died at, at a young age in prison. Now, I'm not suggesting this morning that if you're angry this morning, that's where you're headed. Uh, but... But what I am saying is that that anger actually demands a response, when when you experience that anger, uh, it it, it means that you need to deal with it, you need to manage it. If you're not focused on emotional management, uh, then there's a good possibility that the response to your anger is gonna be unfavorable. Uh, You know, a little release of anger right now could lead to continued as you dwell on this anger, ponder it, it could lead to other explosions Uh, broken relationships, uh, physical or mental harm, a ruined career, a reputation, and we can probably all tell stories maybe even about ourselves where uh, our lives have taken drastic turns because we have not managed our anger. (coughs) The display of anger, whatever that is, road rage, throwing things, fighting, whatever that is, is when we nurture and dwell on the anger that that is sparked in our lives, when we sit on it and we feed it, we nurture it, water it, and dwell on it. The Apostle Paul helps us with this, Ephesians 4, 25-32. Let me show this passage here. It says this, uh, this is a, uh, one translation. There's other ways that this can be said, but for us this morning, be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil a foothold. Let me read this to you again. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. What he's saying here, another way you could say this is in your anger, other translations show this is not be angry. Uh, it's not. This is not a directive to be angry. But uh, but in your anger, as you're being angry is really what this is saying. Uh, do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't dwell on it. Don't deal with it. I think all of us can agree that there has never been a win in your life if you dwell in offense and dwell in anger. Uh, I I speak from personal experience. I have never, never, ever won in life when I have focused and dwelt on anger, when I've parked there. I've never had more joy in my life. I've never had more peace in my life when I nurture and dwell on anger. When I nurture an offense, when I say, I'm going to keep being offended by this, this is wrong, and I'm going to figure this out, I'm going to to confront, I'm going to criticize, I have never experienced a better life by living in anger, ever. We're not designed that way. We're designed, actually, to, to deal with this in a different way. Staying offended has never made things better. Staying offended has never given me clarity of thought. It always makes things worse for me. It, it, makes my, it, it impacts my health, it impacts my understanding of the situation. In other words, I create my own sense of reality when I dwell in anger that very often is false. And I start you know, developing conspiracy theories in my mind. I start pondering, okay, what really happened here? And I begin to believe this is what happened. And then I make decisions based on the lies that I've told myself. When you dwell in anger too, you don't actually ask the question, God, what is true about this situation? And you begin to live out in your life and express uh, your emotions and your rage and whatever it is you express from your nurtured anger out of a lie instead of what's really true about the situation. I start making decisions based off of all these lies instead of, how God wants me to approach this. Being offended is inevitable, right? Being offended is inevitable. It's spontaneous. It happens. We don't decide I'm going to be angry today. Living offended is a choice. Let me say that again. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. If you rehearse the event and dwell on the offense, you're giving devil a, foot, a foothold. It says, don't let the sun go down your anger. If you do so, you're giving the devil a foothold. Now, this idea of, a foothold, uh, in, in the original Greek in this passage. It's the word, you guys can impress your friends with this Greek word, all right, so, yeah. The word topos, all right, hey, hey. Topos, yeah, Greek word. Understand here, this is an important word because, uh, it, yes, it's translated in many translations as a foothold, and, and that is that's accurate. Uh, the word actually means uh, this idea of giving Satan a place. So when I first read this, when I've read this in the past, i thought, okay, giving the devil a foothold, it's like when you put his foot inside the door so that he can get into my room. Or if I'm climbing a rock, which I never do, but uh, getting my foot in a crevice of a rock, you know, to give, give myself a foothold, a, a place to, to spring up from. This is, what he's saying here is that do not allow Satan to have a place in you, like a room. Don't let him move in to a section of your house. Don't let him move into a section of your soul. When you dwell in anger, you open up rooms for Satan. And you, you give him spiritual access to your marriage, spiritual access to your family, spiritual access to relationships and friendships, and you give him spiritual access even to the body of Christ, the church that you are part of. We cannot sit in anger and expect there not to be a place then for Satan to, to come in and destroy. If, if I were scheming to how to destroy the church, the body of Christ, I think that I would, I would figure out uh, three, three main ways to do it. First, I would try to figure out a way to divide. Yeah, to divide. Divide marriages, divide friendships, divide family. I would try to figure this out. I would try to get people divided on minor doctrinal issues in the church. I would try to convince people that on the grounds of my interpretation of the Bible, which I will conveniently package as that is what the Bible says, I will decide that we can no longer associate with each other because you have chosen to be against God's word. Now even though my my interpretation of Scripture is my own interpretation of Scripture, I'm going to decide it is the Word of God, and therefore if you stand against my opinion, you are standing against the authority of Scripture. That's divisive, people. That's divisive. If I were trying to figure out a way, that's what I would do. Then I would also try to distract them. I would try to distract them from what's really important where they can focus on things that don't really matter. The Bible talks about this, Matthew 13, 22, that the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but are too quickly, too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. This is this idea that very often we as followers of Christ are choked by these concerns, by these offenses, by this anger, we are choked out, we are distracted. Distract them. Um, You know, being angry about some Netflix series. Have you ever been angry about a Netflix series? That you can't actually find something to watch? The cares of this world. Uh, Angry about Instagram. Angry about injustice in, in some form. Angry at how they are parented. Maybe you're angry at how your parents treated you. Angry about politics in some other country. That's one of my favorites. I love it when people come and talk to me about the United States and what I should tell the President of America about what he's doing. I've literally been asked I was asked the other day, uh, you know you should you need to tell your president and I said I said uh, you you don't really think I know him right I mean you, was, do, do you know the President of Namibia? He said no and I said, yeah distract them angry about the tax code. We can get consumed also about these personal issues about our own life, distracted about the way we look maybe, or the size of our hips, the color of our hair, or that we don't have hair. You know, these kinds of things are are distractions, are distractions. And then um, if I were trying to destroy the church, I think I would try to disqualify or discredit uh, their witness. Try in some way to make the message of Jesus Christ not look credible. Try to get them to behave in such a way that it doesn't seem like they really know Jesus, to to discredit. I would try to get them to be self-righteous. I would try to get them to be entitled in some way. Let them be consumed by all the non-fruits of the Spirit. Wouldn't that be fun? Get the church to justify some sin, right? That's what I would try to do if I was Satan. If I was a demon trying to get mess with a church, I would try to get them to embrace some sin that said, no, this is okay. It's okay if you do this. I know the Bible says you shouldn't, but it's okay. We see this in the body of Christ and in churches. People are expect, we expect the church to be loving and kind, and yet very often the church is harsh, brutal, slanderous, impatient, and we give Satan a place, when we give Satan a place when we dwell on our anger, then this is what happens. Our, our witness is, is discredited, we're disqualified in so many ways because of our behavior, we're divisive and we're distracted. How much better our life would be if on the same day of our hurt, so don't let the sun go down on your anger. But if on the same day of our hurt, we work towards our healing. The day of your hurt should be the same day of your healing. Whatever, Whoever is slow to anger, Proverbs 16 verse 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Yeah, be angrier. In your anger, do not sin. Rather, grow up and build up. Don't let the sun go down your anger. Don't don't give a place for Satan. We need to grow up, right? We, We need to grow up and build up. Are we still fighting? Are we still raging? Are we still being inappropriate in the way we speak to people? We need to grow up and we need to build up. Ephesians 4 verse 15 says this. Now this is the verses before the Be Angry passage, but it's appropriate. It's all in context of of that letter to the Ephesians. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will do what? We will grow up. Instead of, of, of speaking the truth without love, right? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I try to practice this in my own life and uh, just a tip for you, but uh, if, if, I, if I'm if i angry at a, on a particular day of my life, I give myself some time to be angry. I literally do this. I give myself a portion, okay? I'm gonna be angry for this long and then I'm gonna, it's done. I'm, it needs to stop. And I'll give myself some time I'll think about it. I'll brew on a little bit, and then there's a time when it's enough, and I need to stop. And then I need to develop a strategy to, to pull out of this anger and uh, and hear from God, hear His truth, and then move forward. Uh, I encourage you strongly to do this. Don't don't go to don't go to sleep angry. <laughs> it's okay if you go to bed angry. <laughs> that happens a lot in marriages, right? They go to bed angry. Uh, but you know, in conversations, hopefully they can sort it out and then go to sleep. Okay, right? Very often people go to bed angry. But develop a strategy to pull out of this anger. Uh, a loving confrontation. Speak the truth in love. Have a peaceful conversation. Um, uh, this is this is the invitation. Uh, for us as the followers of Christ to be able to have conversations with each other, but, but doing so with compassion, with love, and in a proper way. We we're given instructions, actually, all through scripture on how to do this. Matthew 18, look at this. Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17. If your brother sins against you, and I love the way he says that Jesus is saying, if, if your brother sins against you, meaning this is why you're angry, because you believe your, your brother has done something against you, all right? So if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him, how? Alone, alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. These are the directions of how you deal with issues in the church. Do not publicly confront. We somehow in society have, the church has, feels like it's been given permission now to publicly name people that they do not agree with doctrinally. How many videos have you watched personally of somebody discrediting, calling them out by name in their theology and their doctrine? In the name of self-righteousness or righteous anger, we are now publicly humiliating other believers online this is not this is not something that makes the church look good at all it discredits who we are as the body of Christ and very often the same people who are ranting an on online presentations that this person is unbiblical is also defying scripture themselves by publicly confronting an individual It is unbiblical of us to present a public forum calling someone out by name. We're invited to speak to them face to face. If you have an issue, if someone's offended you, go to them privately and speak to them. This public confrontation that we've embraced as society is not from God and is not how we are supposed to behave as the people of Christ. Your theology and doctrine never justifies self-righteousness. In public, unbiblical confrontation, we're invited to get along. We need to grow up. When you feel anger, anger is going to be there. Anger is spontaneous. It's inevitable. But living in anger is a choice. We need to grow up and we need to build up. Our goal in speaking is to grow up and in an every way to Him who is the head and to Christ. We're, our goal is to become like Him. And as we ponder this offense in our life, still the goal is not to, to sit there and make a point about that offense, but it is to grow up into Christ. The role of the church is not to make a point. The role of the church is to make a difference. Ephesians 4. 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for doing what? Building up others, others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Often our goal is to to break down, is to embarrass, is to shame. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Our lingering anger grieves the Spirit of God. Our nurtured offense that we refuse to let go of grieves the Spirit of God. This morning, uh, I hope <laughs> as I'm preaching this morning that you know that I'm not angry. Have you ever heard people preach about anger and they're angry when they're preaching it? That's, that's, not, that's not the go, to go. I want you to hear that Jesus, Jesus forgives, Jesus is kind, Jesus is compassionate this morning. And as we ponder our anger, uh, we need to move into to having a kind response, having compassion, having forgiveness. Ephesians 4, verse 31, get rid of what? All bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Paul attempts to cover every possible harmful expression of anger in this passage, right? Uh, let me again bitterness rage, brawling that's that's fighting uh, slander along with every form it says if you don't if you could think of any other expression of anger uh, you know that's every other form of malice right? <laughs> every every form of any kind of other intent you know like sending uh, emails and text messages and all caps Have you ever done that 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 is from that is from Satan by the way <laughs> yeah. When I get a text like that, it's in all caps or, you know, an email that's highlighted everywhere and capitalized and exclamation points, I hear it this way. Yeah. <laughs> please don't ever send me a text like that or an email, please. I beg of you. It's from Satan. Right. <laughs> Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving. You know, this whole idea of what we call righteous anger, it's an interesting term, isn't it? We don't use that for any other emotion, do we? Or sin. We don't say, I'm not saying anger is sin. I'm saying what we do after it is sin, can be. We don't talk about righteous lust, do we? We don't talk about righteous stealing. Or maybe we have, you know. Yeah, Robin Hood, maybe. Robin Hood is, yeah. I've heard people talk about a righteous omelet before a really perfect omelet that was made and they called it a righteous omelet. But there's, there's nothing else that we say, okay, this is. but no, this is, this is righteous stealing. This is righteous lust. This is righteous, you don't know. But we love the term righteous anger, all right? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Self-righteousness gives people license to be rude. I will and should cut a video and discredit someone. I don't know, after all, it is righteous anger. We're not invited to behave in this way. No, the invitation is is to not let that come out of your mouth at all. We're invited to be kind. We're invited to be compassionate. We're invited to be forgiving. That's how we respond to anger. This is what the passage does not say, all right? He doesn't say be arrogant about your moral superiority, right? doesn't say that. Be arrogant about how you are more righteous than your fellow human being. It also does not say, be critical of everyone who thinks differently than you. Amen, church? It also does not say, be harsh because you're dealing with idiots. Amen, church? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ has forgiven you. We respond with forgiveness and kindness and compassion because that is what Jesus has done with us. Oh, my goodness. Are we more righteous than Jesus himself? No, no, no. We give, we treat people the same way Jesus has treated us. Listen, our sin deserves the punishment of death. that Jesus Christ gave his own life for our forgiveness. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. We need to behave the same way that Christ behaves. So get rid of slander. Slander is, you know, speaking lies about someone, you know, to other people. That's what slander is. Get rid of it. Get rid of all unwholesomeness and rage and, you know, I think in some ways Paul might even ask of us, are you still having fights with people? How old are you? You know. <laughs> no, we're we're being invited to, to behave differently and to, to not let not let anger that's dwelt on and nurtured open up a space for Satan to come in, have space in our life, and divide our families and our marriages and our church. We're, we're supposed to behave differently. There's really no win in staying angry. And we need to do this in proximity. We need to come close to each other. To be able to speak truth with someone in love, you need to actually be close to them. Right now, a society has embraced this idea of of getting as far away from someone as possible and, and broadcasting all of our frustrations with the world and each other. The invitation, scripturally, is to come close. Get past your social media, put that aside, and come and, and speak to somebody face-to-face. To get relationships right, you've got to be in proximity. you gotta, you got to be close. When you get close, you have to see their face. You have to react to their emotions and the, the looks on their face. And You might even have to shake their hand. You might even have to hug them. Uh, Slow to speak, slow to anger, slow to be angry. Look at what James 1 says, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. Quick to listen. We're often quick to speak, right? Quick to listen, slow to, sorry, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to what? Slow to get angry. Human anger does not, this is the words of the brother of Jesus, All right, James, he says this, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. There's no good product from enduring offense, no good product from lingering anger that we've nurtured. Stew for the day and then, or stew for an hour and then stop it and develop a strategy to move forward, to grow up and to build up. So we need to have a strategy that where we grow up in Christ and that we build up the body of Christ. Grow up and build up. Now, it's interesting that this letter was, this is Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. You realize that that church had issues with this. They had issues with anger, what they would probably call righteous anger. We see that if you look into the, 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 the book of Revelation, you see a letter written to Ephesus after Paul wrote his letter, warning them again of some of the very same issues. Uh, I want you to I want you to I want you to see this in uh, Revelation uh, chapter 2. This is the words of Jesus Christ to the church in Ephesus. He says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. <laughs> but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up from my namesake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you. So you've got all the truth right. You got every, The doctrine is, is lined up perfectly, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Saying, in other words, you are parked in a doctrinal issue. You're parked in in your self-righteousness. You don't love anymore. That's what he's saying here. He's saying we're about to remove your church from being a church. That's what it means here when it says that the lampstand is going to be removed from its place if you don't repent. When the church parks and dwells on this particular anger or particular doctrinal anger that they have, the self-righteousness, and we nurture it, then we don't operate in the ways of love. Let me say it to you in a way that may make more sense. The problem of the church at Ephesus was not their doctrine. It it actually wasn't even their endurance. They're hardworking, uh, patiently enduring and, and serving and speaking the truth, but they were not doing so in love. The problem of the church of Ephesus was not their doctrine, it was their character. They did not manage anger well. They were correct, but not kind. They were correct, but not compassionate. They were correct, but not forgiving. We need to repent of our lingering anger and we need to move into kindness. We need to move into compassion into forgiveness I have a friend who's right about everything matter of fact he's so right most of the time I'm impressed I mean I want to be more like him I want to know what he knows because matter of fact if I need to know something I'll go ask this guy because more than likely he he knows it and he's always right all right he's always right. And he thinks everyone else is an idiot. You, you know this guy. I think about this guy. I think about. <laughs> I'm not going to name him, I mean, this morning. So, so I'm not going to point him out to you this morning. But as I think about this individual, uh, I, I do wonder if, if maybe that's me. You know, am, am I that guy who's always right? Am I that guy who is, you know, just believes everyone else is a, is a doofus? I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy who thinks that I, 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 I've got it. I'm more righteous than everyone else. When we dwell on our anger, that's who we become. We become this harsh, brutal person. And there's no, there's no success in that. There's no winning in that. There's no joy in that whatsoever to be that guy. I want to invite us this morning to look at Psalms 139. And as a church, as we move into, we're gonna do the Lord's Supper this morning and I want us to contemplate what Christ has done for us. Are we actually treating people the way Christ has treated us? Are we approaching people with forgiveness instead of correction? You know, the response to anger is to, to respond in kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Just the way Jesus Christ has treated us, we need to treat others in the same way. The Lord's Supper is a celebration of what Christ has done for us. So as we we come to this time of of remembering the the, the blood and the body that was sacrificed on our behalf, I want us to, to pray this prayer in Psalms 139 verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, Christ instead of us pointing each other the offenses that offend us and lead me along the path of everlasting. And maybe you could pray with me this morning. God, show me where I'm harboring anger. Show me where I'm nurturing anger. God, show me where I'm, I'm being arrogant and self-righteous. Or point that out. God, show me where I'm not being compassionate and forgiving because I don't want to give Satan access to my heart. Lord, point this out because I don't want to give space for Satan to to have place in my heart and my soul. I don't want him to have space in spiritual access to my marriage, to my family, to my friendships, to the church. Lord, expose that. Show me where I've messed up. Let's pray together and, and pray this. Lord, show me. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Let's bow together. Let's just pray before the Lord as we come before him, as we celebrate the forgiveness that he has done. For us. Lord Jesus, Lord, show us what we cannot see because, Lord, we're so blinded by our self-righteousness, Father. Lord, take the blinders off, please, Lord, and let us see truly how you see, how you see us, Father. Lord, we, we ask this morning that you speak truth into our lives. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we confess uh, this lingering anger that we've nurtured, Lord, we, we give that to you this morning, Lord. How we love you. We praise you. We thank you that, uh, God, you you love us with a love that. Uh, if we boil it down, Father, it's not even fair, Lord. You 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 did us what we did not. You did for us what we don't deserve. Not not according to justice, but but according to your mercy. And so Father, justice we know was, was applied to, to your son where he took the punishment for our sins, Father. So justice was satisfied, Father, but not anything we had to pay. And so God, we thank you this morning for that. And I, I, we ask God that you empower us to be able to, to give this same compassion, forgiveness, and mercy to all those around us, Father. Lord, that we would not open up space for Satan as we linger and stay offended. Lord, we praise you. We thank you, God. In your name I pray. This is Rico Oveca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.